Thank you very much, John. Morning, everyone. Uh, if you have a Bible, could I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3? It's uh, page 1145 in the Red Pew Bibles. It's been, uh, it's been three weeks since we read the first nine verses of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And in verse 9, if, if you do have your Bible open, if you can have a wee look at verse 9 of chapter 3, and we didn't actually look at this. But in verse 9, Paul describes this city church in Corinth as two things. He says, you are God's field, or some versions have you are God's farmland, and then you are God's building. And then after that, as we're about to see, he goes on to kind of pick up this construction motif. But before we go there, and because this is a weekend of celebration, I wanted to pause here for a moment. Because I actually wanted us to take time to thank God that this is who we are. Those two descriptors remain true of this city church of Windsor Baptist. These are and these should remain a key kind of part of our identity. We are God's faith. We are God's building. And and that encourages me for for lots of reasons. And you could probably allow your your mind to kind of spin off in all kinds of different directions. But let me just make a couple of comments about these pictures. And I want you to kind of engage with as much as you can. Just what does that say to you? That we're God's faith. We're God's building. Well, to start with, it means... We, we belong. We belong to God and we are being worked on. We're being constructed by him. So this is not my church. This is not our church. This is his church. If this church grows, if this church flourishes, if this church produces anything, if it shelters, if it supports, if it extends anywhere, then it's all because God's at work. We all have a part to play. Every single person sitting here this morning has a contribution to make, and and we'll look at that in a minute. But it's God who causes any real, tangible, lasting growth. And for me, that's actually quite liberating. It's quite humiliating. It's quite a dynamic, exciting thought. We are, not my feed, not our feeds, and this is not our building project that we're involved in. This is God's. He's at work in us. He's at work on us. And he's at work through us. The second thing I wanted to mention relating to this first image is that In a first century Eastern Mediterranean, predominantly alone, not exclusively agrarian society, a fade or a piece of land was a treasured possession. It was something that was highly valued and significant. And so it provided an opportunity for a person or for people to reflect their creativity, to lovingly care for it, to be resourceful, to use their flair their intention. And as you reflect on that thought, surely again, that's something else that we can celebrate this weekend, that we are an incredibly precious possession of God. God highly values us, treasures us, and shows his creativity in and through us 
works on us. Windsor Baptist, if you hear nothing else this morning, we are God's field and God's building. Let's move on. Because as Paul then explores the building imagery in more depth, he kind of leaves the field image for a minute. But it becomes increasingly clear that people, that we, that all of us play a vital role in this construction site. How we build up this community and what we build into each other's lives really does matter. Really does. Not only now does it matter in the immediate, but also in the long term. There are massive future implications connected to our contribution here to this building project. Like, honestly, as we're about to discover, the implications of how we build and what we build into each other's lives is huge. So, please stand with me for the public reading of God's Word. As we start from verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold or silver, costly stones, wood, hay, and straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what they have built survives, they'll receive their reward. If it's burned up, they will suffer loss. They themselves will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy them. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Sobering words. Please take a seat. So, God owns this building. God values this field. But when it comes to building, God subcontracts. And so Paul makes the point in verse 10 that it wasn't God that laid the foundation. It was him. It was him. He laid it, and he put it down, and we'll look at what it is in a moment. He put it down, it says, as an expert or a master builder. And whatever else that means, there's something in here about doing what we do here right, well, to the best of our ability. This is God's work we're involved in. We are partnering the divine builder and therefore anything less than taking great care and anything less than paying attention to detail seems or would be to me inappropriate. And Paul got this, I think, 
And therefore he says, you know something, I, I laid this foundation, but you know how I laid it? I laid it as an expert builder. And whatever we do and however we are involved in kingdom building, and this weekend we are celebrating and saying thanks to all those who have been doing that in this local church. But let's give it our best. Let's take great pride in what we do in the best sense. Now, at one level, you, you could argue, well, this sounds almost like Paul was kind of bigging himself up. Saying that he led the foundation like, like an expert builder kind of smacks of, aren't I the boy? Real pride there in the wrong sense. Yeah, Paul founded this church. We know that, those who've been journeying through this series. You know, he founded it a number of years ago. He was a key part of its origin. He was a key part of its story. That's fact. But you know something? He wasn't boasting. Paul wasn't seeking people's applause or approval or recognition. And that's clear. And the reason that it's clear is because Paul was clear about the true source of his energy and his passion and his achievements. Look at the opening verse that we read, verse 10. Here's what he said. Because of God's grace to me, I led the foundation like an expert builder. Do you know anything and everything we do and ever will do? To join in with what God is doing and to play our part in this kingdom building project, it's always and only because of God's grace. Only because of God's grace. His amazing, immense, unconditional, life-altering love and grace is the sole reason why any of us can contribute anything to this construction site anything of any eternal value only because of God's grace and we must never forget that and we must constantly celebrate and give thanks for God's grace in our lives and just as an aside tonight we're going to meet at 7 p.m and I do invite you all to come back this evening to engage in worship to come together to praise our incredible God. There's not going to be a sermon bonus, right? There's going to be an opportunity, but during that service for anyone, and actually for as many people as possible, to express their thanks to God in one or two sentences maximum for His grace in their lives and in the lives of their families through this church. And so as you prepare to come back this evening, what I'd love you to do this afternoon is just take some time to think, how can I just thank God for his grace in my life and in my family's life through this church? And just say that at an appropriate point this evening when time will be provided. Back to the text. So Paul says, I've laid the foundation. I've done it like a true pro, but it's all because of God's grace. Then... He recognizes, look at the middle of verse 10. He recognizes that, that other people are building on it now. And I'll just say, I'll get to the it in a minute. But the point for now is this recognition that, that this is a corporate venture. A church building, a true church building, i.e. the building up of the kingdom people, is not down to a select few. There are lots of people involved. There's got to be. Yes, the foundation's in place, but then we've all, and as I say, I really want to stress this more, we, every single one of us then needs to go about constructing on that foundation. 
But notice again how we're to do it. End of verse 10. Whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. You can't or you shouldn't adopt a casual attitude to see in the church build. And do you know one of the things I love about this particular building project is that nobody does take it casually. People here are really careful in how they build. Look at this morning. Look at this week, for example. And this again ties into our weekend of celebration and saying thank you. And this is one of the purposes of this morning. I just want to say thank you to every single one of you who builds into this place. But just think of this week. Crash leaders right now who are building into this project. Musicians, singers who have been here since quarter past half nine preparing to lead us in our worship. A service leader who spent time this week reflecting and preparing and organizing to lead us in praise. Building. PA operators, a couple of guys down the back, again here since quarter past nine. Building. Pulse organizers. The person who provided the flowers. Building. The people who've been here since half eight, setting up the barbecue for every single one of you. 275 hot dogs are out there. (laughs) We need all of you to stay, right? (laughs) Even if you plan to go home and have lunch, stay and have a hot dog, a tray bake, and there's even an ice cream van coming at one o'clock, okay? But honestly, please, everyone stay, even if you're going home to eat another, like, big meal. Stay. But people here since half eight, building. Building. And the list goes on, and I, I know I'm always going to miss so many people out, but we can lose sight of this, folks. We can lose sight of the bigger picture and kind of think we're just doing all these things out of maybe a sense of duty, we're on a rota. But actually, we're doing it because we're building partnering the divine builder in his project. Paul laid the foundation. Others at Corinth were building on it. The issue was, were they building carefully? And I thank God for a church where people build carefully. Paul then identifies the foundation. He clarifies it. And although there's no surprise here, and we we all know exactly what the foundation is, but you know something? We must never forget this. Verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, and that's Jesus Christ. So throughout this series, as we have reflected on what it means to be church in the city, one of the key lessons we have learned, at least I hope we have learned, is that Jesus needs to be kept front and central in all things and at all times. Even in week one, as we looked at the kind of first nine verses of this letter, we made the point that Jesus gets mentioned in every single one of the opening verses. And therefore, and this, is, this again is something we've stressed time and time again here at Windsor, Jesus needs to be at the hub and the core of all we do. He's got to influence and define who we are as a church, what we get up to as a church. And this is exactly what Paul is affirming here again in chapter 3. Although his way of putting it this time is saying, listen, Jesus needs to underpin, Jesus needs to form the bedrock of everything you do as a church. But the question is, what exactly does that mean or look like in practice? You know, things like that, it's great to say things like that. 
Jesus needs to be at the foundation. Needs to, Jesus needs to underpin and be at the bit. What exactly does that mean? Well, let me come at that from a couple of different angles. You see, whenever Paul talked about or referred back to the time he first came to Corinth, whenever he did found and establish this city church, he was crystal clear on what he had been about and what he had set in place. He was really clear about what the bottom line was and what the foundation was that he laid. He said this, I resolved, he said, to know nothing when I was with you except what? What was, what was the thing that Paul resolved to know nothing other than? Jesus and what? Him crucified. That was his fundamental focus. The person and the work of Christ. That was the defining life-changing message that he came to share. The identity of Jesus and his death on a cross. And what that actually meant for all humanity and all creation. And therefore, each and every church in Windsor Baptist included... That is who and that is what has got to form the basis upon which we build. It's got to be at the foundation. Everything about who we are and what we do has got to be supported and shaped on that, by that, and from that. Jesus Christ and him crucified is our foundation. But one of the primary ways that we maintain an awareness of that fact is via what we're about to do at this table in about five minutes' time. This is, for me, at the core of our worship service. Right at the core of it. Every single week, and, and I love this rhythm that we have here in this church. Every single week, we eat a piece of bread, we drink a mouthful of wine, as symbolic remembers, reminders of Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what that's about. On a regular basis, we reestablish and remind each other, what is at the foundation here? What underpins everything? It's this. It's Jesus and his work in the cross. And so for me, one aspect of what it means to retain and build on the right foundation is to keep meeting round this table. And I know familiarity breeds content. And I know some people struggle kind of with the silence we sometimes have. And I know it's dead easy to be distracted and all of that. But can I encourage us to like really gather and look forward to this part probably more than any other part. That we make sure in our hearts and minds we keep Jesus right at the foundation of everything us. But let me highlight another angle. Because you see, if Jesus truly is the foundation that we're building upon, and I repeat, it's God's building, but we're intimately involved in the construction. But if Jesus is genuinely underpinning this place and this community, then his life and his teaching, his words and his action will be clearly visible and highly influential. And so if Jesus is the foundation of Windsor Baptist, then what we build here will reflect his attitude and his character, his teaching and his instruction. You know, just before this series, we spent about six months reflecting on the so-called Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This bulk of Jesus' kingdom teaching, and we consistently made the point 
that this is what it meant. This is what it actually looks like to live this Christian life. Because we've got to live it. Can't just talk about it. Got to live it. This is what it means, says Jesus, in that series we discovered. This is what it means to model a counterculture. This is what it means to truly follow. This is what it means to embrace Christian discipleship. You forgive. You love your enemy. You address lust. You deal with your anger. That's what it means. Let's not just talk about this. That's what it actually means to live this. And for me, whenever Jesus is in his proper place, whenever Jesus is at the foundation of this church, whenever Jesus is underpinning, whenever he's forming the bedrock, then in this place, we will discover people forgiving one another, loving one another, praying for one another, going the extra mile for one another, turning the cheek when someone whacks us. All of that, that's what it means to have Jesus at the foundation. Part of the problem you see at Corinth was they weren't living that kind of life. They were actually fighting amongst themselves. They were quarreling. There was division. And so they weren't building on any kind of secure, firm foundation. Windsor Baptist, as a church in this city, we must ensure that everything we say and do is Jesus-based. And if it isn't, or if we start building on any other foundation, then we're in deep trouble. Nearly done. Because Paul then, and this is kind of coming to quite a sobering bit, and I, was, I was very conscious that this is celebration weekend, and yet I'm kind of like going to deal with some really heavy material in God's word here in a moment. Because Paul then turns his attention to how we actually build in the materials we use. And although you could argue, and some might want to argue, that this is directed primarily at those who teach, so this is directed straight at you, David, uh, and therefore it's pretty up close and personal, I honestly believe there is a wider application here. You see, because the fact is, and the truth is, every Christian builds into the lives of others. Every Christian whether they do it formally or informally. So in a formal sense, you may be a clay leader. You may be a small group leader. You may be a good book club leader. You may be one of those 32 shine team leaders. And so there's a kind of like formal sense in which you're building in. You've committed to that. You've volunteered for that. You're building in. But you know, informally, the words we speak, the attitudes we have, the prayers we pray, the acts of kindness we perform, the thoughts we share with one another, those all have an impact and influence each other. And so every Christian is a builder. Every Christian is involved in this construction project. We're all building on this foundation that has been laid in our lives and in our churches. And so the question is this, how are you building and what are you building with? How are you building and what are you building with? And there are a couple of options. There are two types of materials. One's permanent. There's gold, silver, and costly stones. The other's temporary. Wood, hay, straw, or stubble. Older translation has. And so it seems to me that you can do one of two things. You can either build wisely, you can build well, you can build with the right materials, or you can build unwisely, you can build poorly, and you can build with bad materials. Seems relatively straightforward to me in one sense. And it's clearly 
a serious issue. And, and, and that's Paul's point. What we do and how we live and how we relate to others is massively important as Christians. Paul isn't trying to question anyone's faith, and that's certainly not what I'm doing this morning. Paul isn't trying to question anyone's faith, but he is challenging them about how they live their faith out. The foundation has been laid, yes, but now you have a responsibility to build effectively. And one day, or rather, on the day, an explicit reference to Judgment Day, the type of builder we are and how we've been building during our lives, it's going to be revealed. The quality of our work is going to be disclosed. What we have accomplished as kingdom builders will be shown up. A day of testing, a day of examining, a day of uncovering, a day of judgment lies ahead for each and every one of us. And as this future event and process occurs, and, and I accept, I fully accept there is mystery here. And I can't fully explain this. But as this future event and process occurs, Paul pictures it as a fire that's going to burn and is going to test the durability of our building work. And if we have built effectively, he says, and if we've built with the right materials, then do you know something? We will be rewarded. I'm, I'm just lifting this straight out of his. But if we haven't, if we've been careless, if we've cut corners, if we've built with substandard materials, then it says we will suffer loss. Now, as I said, and please hear this, Paul was not questioning anyone's faith. He says, yeah, the foundation's in place. The foundation is in place. Jesus is where he should be. And so he makes it clear, do you know something? Even dodgy builders, verse 15, are going to be saved. But you're only going to be saved as barely escaping through a wall of flames. Narrowly. Just about. Skin of your teeth. Now, I do think we've got to be extremely careful and measured how we interpret this language and imagery. It's tempting to go off, and many have, on all kinds of interesting but not always helpful tangents. But for me, there's a critical issue. The critical issue is that Paul is stressing here that how we go about God's building project, how we build and what we build into each other's lives, vitally important. That, that, that's the only conclusion I can draw. We're not playing games. The tasks and responsibilities of all Christians, and definitely those who lead and teach, I accept that. But the tasks and responsibilities of all Christians are serious, and how you contribute and what you contribute here, because kind of this is where you are. What you contribute and how you contribute here really does matters, matter. It, it matters now, but one day, it really, really, really is going to matter. 
And so the challenge for this morning is, and I was going to say simple, but that, that doesn't seem right. The challenge for this morning is, what kind of builder am I? Is what I'm building permanent or temporary? What kind of materials am I using? What kind of life and lives am I constructing? And let me get practical just as a close, because you might be wondering, well, again, David, what does that actually mean? What, what does it look like to build with gold, silver, and costly stones? Again, sounds a wee bit cliched to me. But what does it actually mean? Well, let me suggest some thoughts based initially on this letter. Do you remember the core problem at Corinth was disunity? And I believe whenever we are united, whenever we seek unity, whenever we pursue one mind, whenever we eradicate quarreling, whenever we address division, then we build with gold, silver, and costly stones. I also believe, again, based on this letter, that whenever we embrace the wisdom of God as opposed to the wisdom of the world, we build with gold and silver and costly stones. Whenever we preach Christ crucified, we build with gold and silver and costly stones. And we take this a bit further, broaden it out, connect it into our Sunday evening series, Nine a Day, whenever we show love and kindness and patience and gentleness and self-control, we build we build with gold and silver and costly stones. Windsor Baptist, we are God's building. We're a kingdom community. The foundation has been laid in many of our lives and certainly in this church. And that foundation, Jesus and his cross, must be kept central and it must underpin everything. But then, how you and I now build and what we build with is our responsibility. It's God's project, but he invites us to participate. And this weekend, we're celebrating the building that has gone on during this past year. And all I want to say as I close is thank you to every single one of you who've built into my life, who've built into my family's life, who've built into this church family's life. Thank you for building with gold and silver and costly stones. And one day, whenever that fire burns and refines and exposes and uncovers and reveals and discloses, you'll be rewarded, whatever that means. You'll be rewarded. Thanks.